0: this is continuum drag a weekly podcast for visiting television sci-fi fantasy and everything in between this week kolchak the night stalker episodes 9 and 10
1: The visions, the nightmares of a child, are perhaps the most frightening and horrifying of any human animal can conjure. Some people who were in Chicago during the first stifling hot weeks of July would say that was so, if they were still alive.
0: Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast headed into the sewers because some kid at school told us he saw the Ninja Turtles down there. (laughs) I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan?
2: You know, I had something that's real, but it reminds me, I remember being in school, I guess I was of that age when the Ninja Turtles got very popular and teachers were very concerned that us kids were going to go into the sewers to look for Ninja Turtles. I don't know (laughs) if any kid ever did it. If it was like one of those things like, you know, uh, Halloween, people putting razors in the chocolate sort of thing. Like everyone was worried about something that never really happened because I don't know any kid who went to the sewers,
0: but teachers were very concerned. I do remember that as well. As I was watching this, that's what came into my mind. I'm like, oh, remember when everyone didn't want us to go in the sewers to find the Ninja Turtles? Can you even get into a sewer? I didn't live in New York. Why would the Ninja Turtles be there? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, this week we're back for more Kolchek, but we're also joined by a guest uh, who's going to provide us a little bit of the journalist's perspective on <laughs> old Carl Kolchek. here. We've got uh, an award-winning newspaper writer and editor, along with one of the crew of the Skiffy and Fanty Show. It's Trish. Trish, thanks for joining us.
1: Hey, I'm so happy to be here. Well, welcome to the show.
0: It's uh, going to be nice to get some some new perspectives on Carl. <laughs> we've been doing this for now, what are we, on the sixth or seventh episode? Something I don't like know that. how many episodes we've done. Yeah, four or five, I think. Oh, it's not that many. It just feels like a lot more. <laughs> so uh, you're a fan of Kolchak?
1: Absolutely. I had heard about it for years and years. I didn't actually get to watch the show until a few years ago when it came in over one of the digital stations that sprung up soon after, you know, TV went di- digital, and so it would come on late at night on Saturdays after I had finished work, and, you know, the the uh, picture would jump in and out, so I, you know, would not always catch all the dialogue or anything, but, <laughs> <laughs> so- <laughs> but it was fun, um, and so... You know but i've heard about it for years and years and years and was happy to finally and now of course now that i can watch it on nbc.com i can hear all the dialogue and even do closed captions and stuff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> truly the best thing that happened was when i found out this was on nbc.com because before <laughs> that i was like scouring like very very off-brand video sites trying to find the show
1: <laughs> right
0: so this is what uh, Vincenzo. That's a typical editor, right? That's what you'd expect at a newspaper. This is this is exactly how a newspaper works.
1: Yeah, and of course I, you know, I certainly identify with his problems of you know not <laughs> wanting Carl to publish wild theories without any evidence to back it up, and you know worrying about libel and stuff.
0: So you're you're the Vincenzo at work then.
1: That... <laughs> <laughs> I have been. <laughs> I'm a little uh, a different role these days, but I I. I well, I mean, I try not to yell at people like Vincenzo so does,
2: but uh... <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I think his exasperation is warranted though I mean, you know he's just trying to get his put his uh his uh, little paper out, and every week Cold Chat
0: comes in and goes, "Demons, you're like, all right, <laughs> just get your story done right. <laughs> I will say, I do think that's one of the fun parts about the Vincenzo character is he's never unjustified, like is there's never at any point where you're just like you're like. He's being too harsh on Kolchak. He's just like, yeah, this poor man's just trying to run his business and it's not going well.
1: He really gets Kolchak, lets Kolchak get away with, well, not murder, but... Uh, he, he, he murdered uh, a vampire
0: him, once, so well, he did get, him get away with it one time. True,
1: true. Huh? He lets him get away with a lot, though.
0: I guess that's a good question. Is it murder if Kolchak kills a supernatural entity that he does? <laughs> well, the police let him off, so I think it's a no.
1: I am not a lawyer, <laughs> but <laughs> I guess it would depend on what kind of court you get. I mean, you could always plead plead self defense or defense of others, but you know that That's doesn't true. always work.
0: <laughs> that is true. He never he he never he's always he's always standing his ground. That's the key. <laughs> I think, though, statistically, every time you
2: plead vampire, you end up <laughs> are guilty. <laughs> <laughs> not
0: not a uh workable defense yeah, uh, yeah.
1: no body no case right mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so trish uh as we like to ask new guests on the show what's your what's your history of tv sci-fi does it do you are you a big fan Did it go back a long ways or is it uh something you don't watch much of
1: uh tv sci-fi that would have started uh back in junior high maybe even el- elementary school um we Star Trek was on continual rerun. Uh, it would usually start around 4 p.m. So we'd run home from the bus stop just in time to turn it on, watch the opening credits, and try to guess which episode it was. Be the first one to guess, you know, the, 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 the Nazi planet, you know, <laughs> the Man Trail, you know, whatever it would be. Um.
0: That's that is actually a fun game to play.
1: Right. Right. Um, and then after that, Battlestar Galactica, Doctor Who, um, my sister and I held the first Doctor Who convention in Wilmington, and it was a pretty sad fair, sm- there, you know, just like. I don't know. We got like 30 people to come, so not too bad. That's pretty
0: good. That's not bad for the first Doctor <laughs> Who convention.
1: But we only did it the once because, you know, the PBS station stopped showing Doctor <laughs> Who, so.
0: <laughs> really drove down the number of fans in the community.
1: <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so I've I've been watching and reading science fiction basically since as soon as I could comprehend it. My daddy also, uh, he had many, many, many paperback science fiction books in the house and uh it was just kind of always part of our environment
0: uh, a family tradition if you will
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's great that's great um that's very funny i also am just like oh that sounds much like me getting off of school and racing home to watch next generation it's just like <laughs> oh it's in reruns i gotta get home before four, four o'clock to watch it <laughs> Is it going to be the one where they all uh,
2: devolve into weird monsters? <laughs> You're like, oh, no, it's that horrible one where it's just a clip show with a Riker
0: in a coma. <laughs> Remember that one? It was terrible. That one was really, it was quite a strange one. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, Trish, should we get into it? Should we get into these episodes? Let's do it. All right. Here is the IMDb summary for episode nine, The Spanish Moss Murders. A research experiment in dream deprivation produces a corporeal Cajun boogeyman covered in Spanish moss. Luke, one thing I want to mention um, about this episode.
2: Didn't this episode specifically just feel like an episode of Sleepwalkers?
0: It did. I also noted that um, because they go to in this episode, they'll go to a sleep clinic and meet a bearded doctor who runs a like experimental Mm -hmm. sleep treatment. And I kept thinking of... um, have it in my notes somewhere but what was that what was that ursula k vernon one we watched
1: um you mean ursula k le guin i believe Le Guin, Guin, thank you i'm thinking of the other author the lathe of 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 heaven
0: Heaven. yes i kept thinking he was just like the psychiatrist in lathe of heaven Mm. (laughs) he's a very amoral doctor of some sort yeah it is funny though it it does have a lot in common with sleepwalkers it's the first time they've really dealt with dreams on this show Mm -hmm.
2: yeah sort of i mean you kind of find out at the end but they don't really, I don't know how much they deal with dreams as much as
0: they deal with moss. <laughs> they deal more with moss. Wet moss. I mean, it, be, it begins at that sleep clinic with a clumsy lab assistant. Oh, that's all she gets all episode. She's so clumsy. Even after she dies, <laughs> that's all everyone says about her.
1: She's also bright and interested in things or something that's like true. that. That's
2: true. I'm so dumb. I didn't realize that was supposed to be like, that was going to be her like, defining character is that she's clumsy <laughs> i just thought the actress gave it a little extra something i'm like oh look at that she's she had a very little role and she's like i'm gonna make her clumsy i was like oh good for her then later on it's actually a plot
0: point right she does a good job with it because uh she's leaving work late to i guess uh get home for i believe it's the fourth of july and uh on her way home she bumps into a uh a monster called the uh, i'm gonna ruin it now the paramofay i believe is how they uh, pronounce it and um, his killer move in this episode is he's a big moss monster, a moss man, if you will, who gives you a lethal hug. He hugs <laughs> you to death. Indeed. And um, what we're going to come to learn about him is he's, he's some sort of old Louisiana boogeyman. That's kind of his, 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 his thing. We're going to deal with a, a monster from Louisiana. I didn't look into it, actually. I should have. I don't know if this is a real thing or not.
1: I confess I did not Google it either. Let's see.
2: I'd put money on that this is not a real thing. I don't think there's any tradition where this boss man comes in and uh, h- hugs you to death. That'd be my vote.
0: So far, and including this this particular podcast, they've the the monsters from ancient times have been made up. <laughs> yeah.
1: Let's see. I'm seeing Paramalfe in the bug, Buffy mega crossover wiki. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's an entry for Père Malfé, the Cajun boogeyman on vampires.com. So oh, it maybe. is at least, at least an urban legend, not just made up for this. Show. I'll tell you,
2: if vampires.com has it,
0: it has to be real. That's your homepage, right? Yeah.
1: Père is French and his uh, uh, father in French and Mal is bad and Faye is something like Faye accompli, something that is done, uh, a deed. So it's oh. like daddy... Does bad or
0: something. Daddy, like that. <laughs> Daddy does bad. Uh, that's a better name. They should have called it Daddy <laughs> does, does bad all episode. <laughs> at any rate, after this poor lab assistant is killed, uh, the next day the police find a, a chef at a very chic French restaurant who has also been hugged to death and is covered in moss. Mm-hmm. And this is, of course, where Kolchak comes in because he's one of the first reporters at the scene of the crime.
2: And we also meet who I think up to this point. I think we're what, eight, nine episodes in. Captain Joe Mad Dog Siska. He's my favorite of the police that we've <laughs> met so far. Because they I just I think the the idea that what we're gonna learn in the episode is he's someone who is actually very congenial and very open and very easy to work with for Kolchak. And Kolchak seems very perturbed the whole time because they clearly have a history, as he does with all these characters we meet. But it's because this guy he's being being the opposite of what he normally is. And I just thought it was a really fun thing to have this guy just on the uh, the brink of exploding at all times because he's gone to therapy.
1: Right, right. He's been in group therapy uh, trying to learn to be an I'm okay, you're okay kind of guy. But <laughs> uh, you can just see him throttling his his uh, anger that wants to erupt at every moment that he's interacting with Kolchak. It's, it's really fun. And that is one of the things that I do love about this show is that uh, so many of the side characters are fleshed out in that way, um, not mm-hmm. just cardboard people moving around.
0: Yeah, I felt that this was a nice touch because after seeing so many captains fight with him, the first thing we see of this guy is he comes in. And when he when uh, uh, I think a patrol officer tries to turf turf uh, old check out, he says, hey, stop that every man has a right to earn a living and i was just like (laughs) oh who's this guy (laughs) i'm like what 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 a nice thing to say about Kolchak, but yes it is only that he's been getting therapy and Kolchak's really gonna push his buttons all episodes see if he can make him blow at any rate um the police basically have found this dead man there's some moss on him and uh they're wanting to get this wrapped up as usual in Kolchak pretty quickly. They they have a convenient suspect ready to pin the murders on some some sous chef who used to work there. It's actually I would
2: say in in all the episodes we've seen this is one where I actually don't blame the police so much because it the guy is he's a disgruntled employee who had threatened to kill the guy before. That is true. If I was a cop, I'd be like, I think this is a pretty open and shut case, everyone.
0: That is true. Um, but you know Kolchak as always. He has his doubts about who killed that chef. So, once again, he he cons his way through the police department, finds his way into, I guess... I thought... I was a little disappointed. I thought he needs to get the autopsy on the dead chef. And I thought we were going to get Gordy the ghoul again, who was in those first early episodes as, like, a corrupt sort of mortician. But he just ends up sneaking into another room, convincing a guy who guards the filing cabinet... Paco. That his, Paco, that um, some kids let the tire out the air out of his tires... And then he like opens up a file and finds out that um, the police have noted that this is very similar death wise to a hit and run they saw recently, also containing the same moss that was found on the chef. So, you know, Kolchak gets a couple clues he can sort of follow for the episode. I mean,
2: it's just it's a fast scene, right? Because it does. If you think about it, it doesn't really make that much sense how he's able to connect these two things just by grabbing random files. But it's just it's just a fast scene to get us where we need to get for Kolchak. Right. And I thought it was OK. It's I'm fine with any time they kind of. uh expand the world so it's like oh he's got a couple
0: avenues at the police department he can get information i was like ah, eh, sure why not no it's it was nice and streamlined it kept the, it kept the episode rolling because using these clues he's able to a go to the botanical gardens where he's able to learn that the moss on the guy is a uh he knows the latin name but he has he learns the layman's name spanish moss and discovers that it could never grow in chicago's cold climate so ooh, mystery number one
1: Yes, I have a lot of familiarity with Spanish moss, and I can talk about that a little bit if you want.
0: Oh yeah, tell us about Spanish moss. I don't know anything about it. I right. live in cold Canada. There's none here.
1: <laughs> so it's it's a very uh, it's it's like a mass of threads uh, together. It's it's um what do you call it? Mo- so so probably you think of moss as just something that grows. By a river, on a stone, or something like that. Exactly, right?
0: that's what I think of. Moss okay, as.
1: Spanish moss grows mainly in trees. It hangs down from the from the branches and stuff. It can be kind of a lacy fall down from a tree. Um, it's gray, uh, or at least I mostly see it's gray. It's it's certainly gray when it's dried. But actually, you northerners, if you visit, you'd be tempted to touch it, but don't, because it often contains <laughs> chiggers, which are little biting insects, oh. sort of like ticks.
0: Okay, this is good advice, because I truly would just touch it. Uh, and I, <laughs> it's um, tempting I... to
1: touch. It looks nice to touch, and I've actually seen it used in floral arrangements, but beware.
0: This is a good explanation, because what we see Carl do, when he goes to the botanical Gardens, I just saw him, like, digging around in, like, a pool of water, and then also there's, like stuff growing up i just i couldn't get a sense of what spanish moss was i'm like is it in the water or is it on that like thing
2: wouldn't it be more interesting though if instead of suffocating people he just touched them gently and then little
0: ticks or whatever there are in them that that's what caused all the deaths that'd be pretty good if he controlled the bugs on him that'd be be pretty good i mean it'd be fun too because then that kolchak would be finding bites on them have to figure out the bites origin yeah i mean i still i look don't get
2: me wrong, I still like a good suffocation death, but I think that I think the little bugs add a little something.
0: You always say if you've got to go, you'd rather be hugged to death. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> With love. Um, and of course, the other clue he has is there's a similarity to the death of the lab assistant who is has been written up as a hit and run. And he, he goes to the lab to meet her boss, uh, this Dr. Pollock, who we were discussing mm-hmm. earlier, this uh, Sleepwalkers character, if you will. And uh, Pollock, very rude man initially doesn't even remember who she is and then when uh one of his coworkers reminds me he's like oh yeah that schlub (laughs) yeah what what were they implying are they implying
2: here that he's just kind of a jerk or is it that he is inappropriate with his staff like what were they getting i I just got that he was just a not very nice person we're just not supposed to like him am i right
1: um i saw him touch the still living female lab assistant on the shoulder on you know pat her on the back as he went by and she uh kind of glared um but you know yeah he may not be harassing anybody he's that's just his way um i mean intentionally um yeah i thought you know maybe he's just face blind and he didn't remember the name but (laughs) oh yeah the one who died because she's clumsy she was always so clumsy um
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) He is. I think he's supposed to be like somewhere between like the genius who doesn't notice other people and a jerk. Because I, like you said, that that other lab, that other lab isn't there, I believe at some point he asks her for something and he's like, he calls her my pet, and I'm just like, hey, you can't do that at the
1: office. <laughs> yeah, I was very amused when um, Kolchak was trying to run a run a scam on Dr. Pollock, and he said, "What do you think I am? Some woolly headed, absent minded professor." <laughs> I, You know, the police were just here. I know you're trying to investigate this murder, not write a series about my sleep clinic.
0: <laughs> I do like the Kolchak, like, probably 75% of the time, any scam he tries to run immediately, like, falls apart. Like, he just, like, no one <laughs> believes him.
2: Yeah, it is, a, it is a good little trait they've had, because I think it was not this episode, but one of our previous, where, like, he has a whole thing. I'm, he's pretending to be someone to get into this jewelry store, and they're just like, we don't buy it. And he's like, oh, anyways, I'm Kolchak. Like, it's just, <laughs> there's this funny thing he's just... He's sort of, I mean, it's not the right way to say it, not bumbling his way forward, but he has this momentum that regardless of how things go, he just keeps going. He yeah, works yeah. the
1: angles. He's got mm. a million tactics to try and he just, right. you know, goes through his list until something works and he gets <laughs> more <laughs> <laughs> information.
0: That's a good de- thats a good description of it That's because that's definitely what he's doing. I mean, and at the sleep clinic, all he really learns is that like the doctor's like, no, I think she died in a car accident. She was extremely clumsy. It makes sense to me. So he <laughs> he's a little bit dead ended here, but as this case is kind of getting cold, he gets a call from I guess he's got a he's got an orderly sort of a, on his payroll, like a guy he pays for information in a hospital. My guy gives him a call and says that there was another person brought in dead with a similar crushing wounds, and that it was a Cajun street musician who uh, who had died in a in a basement trying to smoke a joint, and so Kolchak decides he needs to. Uh, go down and check out the crime scene and this is one time where his uh impersonations work he pretends to be a health inspector for some reason well it's it sort of works because the guy's sort of like
2: L- let me see you see your, your ID and he sort of flashes it real quick he goes the id anyway and he just kind of keeps going <laughs> with it and the guy's like i think part of it's the guy just doesn't really care so much he's like a maintenance person or someone who's just there to clean up this issue so he i don't think he he has too much invested in
0: in uh the credentials no, not really. But uh, it's where Kolchak's able to piece together There's moss at the crime scene here and some dirty water. So he's just like, I better learn more about this dead musician. And he heads down to, I guess, where the, the hippie street musicians hang out in Chicago. I guess that's what the idea is here.
1: It sounded like, you know, Kolchak thought, you know, now that I think about it, there's musicians on every street corner. And suddenly, poof, there they were. Although, <laughs> <laughs> we've never seen them in any, in any other Kolchak episode. <laughs> the
0: viewers at home know, they know everywhere they go. They can't get away from these hippie street musicians. <laughs> But we get to meet
2: another great character, Pepe LaRue, or Maura Shapiro, depending on who he's talking to, I
0: suppose. <laughs> yes, this this is a another man who lives amongst the street performers. He's a bit older than I guess most of the other ones, and but he, he was hang he's hung out with this dead musician and he's able to explain a lot about what's going on. Although I do like that reveal. Like he starts with a French accent and then he drops and he says, I'm Maury from Brooklyn. I just do this for the money.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Maury was a great little character actor because I just I couldn't get a sense of what he did exactly. And he, his explanation was like, I came here in 38 to join the mob, but I was too short. And I'm just like, what?
1: <laughs> I loved how he just came out with that. <laughs>
0: um, but essentially what more able to tell him is just uh, apparently the dead musician was from Louisiana. And there's quite a few apparently Louisiana musicians kicking around. We we see one very briefly at the top of the scene as he hops in a cab to leave. And then he talks, starts talking about it. He's like, oh, yeah, there was another musician from Louisiana. Who disappeared two months ago after the dead man and him got in a fight over a girl. So maybe it was him trying to get back over this fight with the girl. There's like this whole like reveal about this. And even to the point that Pepe Pepe slash Mori is just like. And they keep talking about this paramuffet. They love to talk about this boogeyman. They're always threatening each other with him. It's a real like childhood, I guess, trauma they have. And as Pepe's kind of walking around with Kolchak. Of course, the Paramuffet just like snatches him from right next to Kolchak, and Kolchak does not immediately notice. Yeah, he's a very sneaky little Paramuffet.
1: That was a little different from the other deaths; just that quick snatch, because usually they are menaced and see a reflection or something at first and start to get scared, and then they die. But here it was just whoop,
0: whoop. I know. I was. I was also like this. This monster is sneakier than most of the ones on Kolchak. <laughs> well, it was. It was one of those things where he was sneaky
2: because the the plot needed it to, because it was like. None of the other ones. I mean, I think that when we first see him attack the nurse, he sort of like bumbles his way down the alley. It's like
0: uh, in this one, he's, you know, he's Spider-Man. But I mean, whatever. (laughs) I'll allow it. You'll allow it. I mean, in the end, Kolchak does end up looking for Pepe, and getting a glimpse of this of this moss man. So it it still amounts to a similar concept is now that Kolchak's Kolchak's definitely sure there's a monster on the loose. And am I wrong? Is he only
2: attacking in a, in a very specific area, in only a, like a, a block area? I think that's the case. My understanding
0: was it seems to be fairly contained where he's attacking. It's pretty centralized to wherever this energy is transmitting. It's in Little Louisiana, Little Louisiana town part <laughs> of Chicago. I love that part of Chicago. Kolchak, of course, then decides he's he's got to go compare notes with, uh, what's his name, Captain Assisius? It's, Sisca. uh...
1: Cis- Cisco,
0: yeah. Like Cisco, but Cisco. Like Cisco, but Cisco. Um, the captain, uh, he's already looked into this sort of uh, character he's heard about from Peppy. His name is Paul Linguese. That was that was the person the dead man had a fight with. But he knows it couldn't be that man because he spent the last two months at the sleep clinic in a voluntary coma. Yeah, which
2: is a pretty good little twist, right? The The number one suspect has been sleeping the whole time.
0: Yeah, it was it was definitely interesting and I I was at that point I'm like I got to learn more about this experiment and of course they get into it with us. But this man volunteered for a study where he's been put into a coma for for an in, indefinite amount of time apparently where Dr. Pollock's keeping him in a dreamless sleep just to see what happens.
1: <laughs> yeah, that must have been some kind of waiver he signed at the beginning of the experiment. <laughs>
0: That street musician needed that money real bad.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess he's living rent-free in this clinic. (laughs) That's true.
0: It's because he's having to,
2: his other life is sneaking into basements to smoke a single joint, as these musicians are wont to
0: do. (laughs) I mean, what a great gig between jobs, Jordan. Just get put into a coma for a few months. (laughs) Don't have to worry about where you're living. It's true. Wake me up when my next job comes (laughs) along. But what we get to see is Kolchak will go back to sleep clinic, talk to the doctor about the, all the experiments, and it's just one of my favorite things in this episode as well. He's there, alarms just start going off in the sleep clinic, something to do with what's happening in Paul is, is like dreamless sleep, and and Kolchak's like, what are all these alarms about? And the doctor's like, I, I have no idea. I just said the equipment, and sometimes these alarms go off. But like we we'll figure out what it meant when know, this experiments wasn't that over. Wasn't odd that the the doctor's
2: like, you think it would have been like you know all hands on deck, everyone start. Grabbing nodules and buttons and stuff. But his doctor's like, look at that, the alarm's going off. Interesting. I was like, I, aren't you testing? You're not, you're just testing nothing?
1: Yeah. I mean, usually when you do experiments and something unexpected happens, that's what you focus on. You know, <laughs> you don't just say, oh, we'll, uh, we'll figure that out in post.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It seems like the alarms were must have been set up for some criteria to go off. It's just very funny. He's like, I, I have no idea what these criteria were set up for. This is, this is just factory defaults, my friend. I have no <laughs> idea what's happening. But as that alarm's going off, the uh, Paramuffet is reappearing on a street corner where a, well, a bike cop's driving by, and you better believe that bike cop's getting hugged to death. <laughs> And of course, Kolchak will hear about this new murder on his, his police scanner, which is honestly one of the best tropes they've put into this is that he just has a police scanner. It makes it so easy for him to get information. I think it was one of the smartest mm-hmm. things the writers put into this right away.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was that was a thing Um, that, that uh, po- reporters would uh, listen to the police scanners. You know, so several of the newsrooms I've worked in have had them uh, going all the time. So you'd have the uh, TV set to a news station, you'd have your police scanner, you'd have possibly radio going somewhere, and you'd have phones all over the place. So newsrooms are usually, or have been very noisy places. Now, most police scanners are encoded so that you can't just listen to it. So, you know, technically they're required, they they broadcast the stuff, but ordinary citizens can't usually listen in on the police anymore.
0: So this is very this is very authentic journalism stuff and Nick Kolchak would be would be have a, a police scanner ready on the ready.
1: That's absolutely believable. Yes.
2: Unrelated, I remember being a kid and remember you used to have those like little walkie-talkie things. Mm-hmm. I remember tuning it to a signal and and getting on to a police uh, I don't <laughs> know if there was police by And I thought it was so cool. And then my brother told me it was illegal and I was going to get arrested. And I was so scared. I remember I took (laughs) the walkies and I hid them under the bed because I thought no one will find them now. No one will know what Mm. I've done. This horrible crime I've done.
1: No, under the bed is a safe zone. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) You were like a real mobster. You were like,
1: I don't under the bed.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And I don't think it's illegal. I don't think it was illegal. But anyways,
0: your older brothers are never a great source of information. (laughs) But now that he kind of has this information that uh, Paramafe appears to appear at least tangentially when this alarm goes off, and uh, seems to be very Cajun based, he decides <laughs> to track down a uh, one of these Louisiana musicians. He happened to he bumped into this guy just before he met Pepe. And he goes to visit this other... There's so many Louisiana musicians to keep track of in this episode. This guy, he's at a recording studio at the moment. He's recording a quick bullet. Yeah. Jordan, you're always trying to make a bullet.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I like... There's a couple things in the studio I liked. At one point, they're, you know, it, the whole thing is that they're trying to get this recording done in Kolchak as per usual to his character. He doesn't really care. And he's just kind of trying to get the information he needs. But at one point, the guy, I think it's the engineer or the producer recording. is just like, oh, man, this is this was going to be a great big hit. And look, nothing to cajun violin music or whatever he was playing but i don't know if the audience is that big i don't know if it was going to be a big hit but they, they were sort of acting like they were i was like this might be a minor hit guys calm down you can take two minutes to answer some questions
1: big in genre but yeah yeah exactly
2: <laughs> yeah per- perhaps big in that very specific genre
0: i did like though when he shows up I'm like we're recording a bullet and then someone stops he's like let me explain what a bullet is it's a song that goes right to the top like, thank you <laughs> but the big point of this whole scene is that this this musician is going to explain what the paramafe is which is a spanish moss, mo- moss monster that they're constantly threatening with his kids and he's also able to explain that the only thing that can kill one is a stake of bayou gum tree wood, uh stabbing the paramafe. so like i'm just like all right here we go <laughs> you know what i love about that though they're like
2: his one weakness is having a stick jammed right through him and i thought uh, coincidentally, that's also my weakness. That also kills me.
1: <laughs> You'd be surprised what a lot of creatures a stake through the heart would kill. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that, I mean, maybe Colchak could just work as his default any monster he faces. If I jam something through his heart and see if that works. Yeah, you j- jam it through their
2: heart and then take a flash with his camera. Those
0: seem to be mm-hmm. the two things that stop most of the monsters in this show. That's true. That camera flash is becoming very handy. Mm hmm. Anyway, it's back to the sleep clinic now where uh, Kolchak shows up and uh, our captain, Siska, he's, he's hanging out there too because basically he's put together the same information. He's just like everything points to this man in a coma and he's there trying to convince the doctor to wake him up.
2: And I think at this point, Siska has his therapy has stopped working, I think, at this point in the episode. Yes, I believe Kolchak has completely undone all his good
0: work. Yeah.
1: Yes, a year and a half of therapy down the drain, says Sisko.
2: <laughs> He's got a great hat, though. I remember that. I remember that the, he had a, he he looked uh, he looked real good.
0: He had a good mustache too. I liked mm-hmm. him all over. Yeah, I did too. Um, and and Kolchak's able to point out he 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 gets all the EK, uh, I guess the EEG readings that have been going through this this coma man. He's like, look, every time an alarm goes off, somebody dies. This has to be this has to be the solution here. So the doctor finally acquiesces, he injects the coma man with a double dose of methamphetamine, which I was like, that's a lot of (laughs) methamphetamine. (laughs) And of course, it doesn't work. It won't wake him up. And uh, Kolchak's just like, you see, we've got to get some gumwood. We've got to get ready. The perma-phase coming. And then I guess the idea is somewhere in this man's subconscious, because he's he's apparently bringing this monster out of his mind as he sleeps, because the dreamless sleep is causing this. The monster is able to hear Kolchak, and as he hears Kolchak threaten its life. This man in a coma just dies. All vital signs go out. The man is dead. And what I kind of like, though, is when he died, basically, Kolchak and the police are like, well, case over. He's dead. And and they all just go back to their lives, which I thought was a nice turn where they're like, oh, they're – I mean, I guess you would. You'd be like, oh, I guess this mystery is concluded. <laughs> but when Kolchak goes back to the office to sort of, I guess, unpack – there's water leaking from the roof. Vincenzo's there a little drunk. He's celebrating his successful speech at the press club. Right. Which, which is like a subplot of the episode. Weird right. subplot where he has to give a speech at <laughs> a press club. And uh, Kolchak goes to his desk and is talking to a janitor about this like water leak and like uh, it's never, the building's is going to take forever to fix it. And Kolchak opens his desk drawer and it's just full of moss.
2: <laughs> Which was weird because, I mean, I know we've seen like bits of moss in the murders, but like, are we supposed to think that it's so sloppy and he's just like falling apart that it just like leaves it everywhere? So, so this guy was like, I know where Kolchak works. He took the elevator, he got to the building, went through his stuff, lost a finger or two in the drawer and then was like, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll leave. And he, and he took off. I, I think that's
0: 100 or something that Farrah Mafei came by, went through all of his desk drawers.
1: <laughs> well, everyone was out at the press club dinner. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but it just basically leads to a scene where Kolchak's like, I've got to kill this moss, man. He's out to get me. And like, just raves and rants in front of uh, Vincenzo's friends. And Vincenzo's like, He's working too
1: hard. Reporters, what can you do?
0: What can you do? What can you do if your reporter <laughs> has lost his mind? <laughs> And, of course, this is just puts Kolchak on, like, tilt. He breaks back into that botanical garden, steals a branch off a gum tree, and then heads to... I mean, I guess... I guess I was trying to figure out, like... Because he knows it can't survive in the cold climate. So I guess he's able to be like, well, if he keeps popping up around this neighborhood, he must be in the sewers. So Kolchak goes, pulls a manhole cover off. And then, actually, what I thought was one of the better go-into-a-sewer scenes I've ever seen is he climbs down the, like ladder into the sewer and there's you see him like have to stick his leg into like thigh deep sewer water and it truly looked awful i was as i was watching i'm like oh no thank you please don't do this
1: yeah Yeah, configures and i watched this together and we were discussing things that might possibly make us go down into a sewer such as lost child or maybe a huge treasure that we were sure we would find. going a goony situation right but going after a murderous creature that you know is going to make it back to the surface again sometime if it wants to kill you no don't go in there no if <laughs> i went out. down
2: for treasure and as soon as i saw that first rat running around i'd be like you know what you guys keep it you keep it i'll go back upstairs
0: <laughs> it is honestly it's a great scene like it's it's him lowering himself down and at first i'm like oh it's going to be knee high that's fine but once it gets up like almost to his waist i was like oh too much and they just got to shots of rats swimming through the water and mm-hmm. rats everywhere i'm just like oh this is awful i don't want to be down it was a good
2: storm. set piece and they've uh, uh you know this episode the, some of these episodes have had better sort of uh you know last acts and conclu- conclusions and this is one of the better ones i think where um and we'll actually we could talk about it for the next episode when we talk to it I would say compare this to the next episode, they're almost night and day with, I think, how well this works and how, at least in my opinion, the other one doesn't work uh, as well. Um, Because I just think this whole sewer sequence, despite the clear budget restraints of you can't show the moss man too much, Mm -hmm. I think it works really well.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Because he'll wander around the sewers a little, he'll find old dead Pepe (laughs) down in the sewer, confirming that Pepe was murdered. And then the the moss man will rise out of the sewer water in a very effective shot. I was just like, "That's a great reveal." This moss mm-hmm. man, just like standing <laughs> out of the sewer, and of course he's like seven feet tall. Um, we haven't mentioned this yet, Jordan, but he's played by last week's villain uh, Jaws from James Bond. <laughs> yeah, yeah, two two in a row. What a, what a week for him. He got well, a lot of work. He's, he's such
2: a um, large, I- impressive figure that it's like, why would you not use him for these roles, right? Because. He's seven foot two, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. He, of course, menaces Kolchak. They get in a bit of a, a chase sequence, as Kolchak tends to do, which I, it was a little hard to—Kolchak, like, climbs into a smaller sewer, and then some of that smaller sewer pops him out behind the, the, the moss man. But it's all just to get Kolchak back to his uh, stake he's made to stop the—this gum tree stake mm-hmm. to stop the moss man, the Paramoffe. And as the paramedic approaches him, the, the stab was, it was like he poked him with a stick. I <laughs> like know. Like, it wasn't any more force than that. <laughs> and the moss man just falls over, and I'm just like, well, oh. it really did stop him. It was very effective.
1: Luckily, Spanish moss is not dense. You can shove something through it quite easily.
0: <laughs> right through it. It can it can 100% hug you to death, but that stick's going right through um and that and that sort of like uh wraps up kolchak's defeated the monster it wraps up it's sort of the end and i'm only going to mention this because every episode ends with a little like coda where kolchak gives you a little narration to like wrap up everyone's storylines even if they don't need their storylines wrapped up and this particular time i was just like i I don't know why i need to know this information but the uh (laughs) he lets me know that the doctor at the sleep clinic ended up going to work at his family shoe business and i was like (laughs) <laughs> okay i know it's you
2: know what it's this weird thing the show it's we mentioned it before that they um when they introduce people, usually at the beginning of the episodes, where it's just some unfortunate person who's going to get murdered that's going to set off the chain of mm-hmm. events for the episode. And they give a ton of information. You know, they'll be a mobster and we'll find out when they joined the mob and what their <laughs> specialty was and all this. And they sort of do it at the end of the episode, too. It's like, it's that funny thing. You're like, oh, he went off to go make uh, shoes. They
0: specialized in flats. You're like, uh, okay, <laughs> thanks. Why are you telling us this? I find it tends to work better at the beginning of the episode just to set the mood. Whereas at the end, I'm just like, I, I did didn't care what happened to that doctor (laughs) afterward.
1: Right. Well, you know, I think it's pretty it's actually a relief that he went into shoes because given his uh, lackadaisical uh, investigative methods and the fact that he apparently may have killed his uh, patient slash study subject by double dosing him with meth. um, Yeah, probably not good for him to be in medicine.
0: (laughs) He was asked to leave. (laughs) But that, that wraps up the first episode of uh, of, of our of our double uh, double feature here. So you guys ready for episode two?
1: I had one more point I want to, oh, to yeah, make. Oh, yeah, go for which it. Which is that when Kolchak is in the sewer, he actually swims underwater a few times to try and evade and lure the monster. Oh, that's right. I and forgot. his straw hat stays on. And <laughs> that is highly suspicious. It should have floated away. So...
0: What they don't show you is that he's got a little strap that he wears on it <laughs> under his chin.
2: It's just, he's got that Indiana Jones thing where it's like the hat just has to stay on, you know?
1: Right. Well, configures hypothesize that maybe it's not really a straw hat at all. It's, it's some part of his kind head? of entity, um, you know, controlling him or, or at least giving him bad ideas or something.
0: He has to keep the straw hat on, Jordan. Otherwise, the wig would fall off.
1: <laughs> but that's why he refuses to get rid of the straw hat, even right. when presented with the lovely alternative you're positing it sort animal. of
2: like a like a mad hatter type thing where it's controlling him the hat the hat's or, really right
1: or or like the evil spider suit that uh, you know <laughs> 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 venom <laughs> contended with or you know it's not just a straw hat
0: all right i'm i'm on board for the episode of kolchak where it's revealed <laughs> that the entire time his hat has been an alien entity controlling <laughs> him. <laughs> It would fit right in if there's an episode where one day his hat was evil <laughs> yeah they,
2: they could do it they'd, they'd have to give a whole backstory though the hat really wanted to be something else first you're like oh okay all right cool check
0: all right well let's do it let's go into the IMDb summary for episode 10 the energy eater
1: there was a theory that dying institutions erect their own mausoleums before they die This particular monument was to be a hospital and a research center
0: dedicated to extending the life of man improving the quality of that life it succeeded instead
1: in introducing a new horror a new way of death a mystery
0: carl discovers that machimondo a restless spirit's killing the patients of a new hospital which is being built over its resting place
2: you know what's funny luke when i watched this the first thing i thought was or during the episode was this episode reminds me a lot of the old disaster movie, The, the Towering Inferno, except mm. if you only focused on the scenes where they discussed the construction of the building and got <laughs> rid
0: of all the exciting parts. That's what this episode <laughs> reminded me of.
2: I mean, I think this is
0: this is where you and I differ. I love when they talk about all the construction parts. Oh, do they?
2: Oh, every time they were just like, oh, concrete. I was like, guys, this is TV. I don't care about the concrete.
0: This is very funny because, yeah, this episode starts with the Kolchak attending a uh, hospital dedication. And I felt this was the most, like, investigative journalismy this that Kolchak's ever been. Because while he's at this dedication, we see him in the lobby. And in the basement, there's an employee, like, working with this, uh, like, high voltage breaker and then suddenly he's electrocuted and all the walls start shaking and like cracking and breaking and and back in the lobby the lights are flickering and kolchak's like this is weird this hospital just opened it shouldn't have this many technical difficulties should it and of course the men who are giving the dedication are just like well we were giving a tour but we've decided to take the basement off of the tour so immediately K- kolchak's like well i'm going right to the basement that's where i'm headed
1: <laughs> yes good instincts
0: yeah exactly and in the basement he just like he sees the walls are all cracked. There's this janitor like sweeping up debris, and uh, Kolchak, I, my fa- my favorite character, Kolchak goes up to me. He's like, "Hey, what happened down here?" And this where's the, where's the quote? The janitor looks at me. He's like, "I don't know. I'm just a broom pusher." <laughs> I'm just like, "Great. I love this janitor character." And basically, Kolchak and me is just like, "Listen. There's no way a new building should have its basement covered in cracks. Like, there's a crack running down the floor." He's just like. This is some shoddy construction, and I'm going to break this wide open. And I felt this episode more than any was about him trying to investigate just, like, city corruption more than anything.
1: (laughs) Or just negligence.
0: Just, yeah, just negligence, maybe. But Kolchak is now going to work on this story. And we get a fun fun scene, which you didn't get last episode, where you go back to the office. He's supposed to be writing about this hostile dedication. Vincenzo comes out, and he's just like, what is this story you've written? Why, like... I, I loved that, you that scene this.
1: so much
0: <laughs> it's why don't you describe it for us
1: okay so ninjindo says hey uh where'd you come up with this angle on the hospital you don't usually write about stuff like this two pages on the lack of geriatric facilities <laughs> and kolchak and emily both look guilty and it turns out you know it's obvious that Kolchak didn't want to write the story and handed it off to Emily, who was delighted to get a chance to grind her own axe by writing about the geriatric issues. Miss Emily is the uh, crossword lady, by the way, for those not... uh, who don't have a script um (laughs) uh but yeah she's absolutely delighted to get a chance to write about what she cares about and kolchak was happy to not have to write a story so (laughs) it worked out great for them but vincendo is not happy
0: (laughs) i love this relationship with this emily and kolchak it's my one of my favorite parts of the like developed later in this series is just like he's just handing off work to her she's happy to write a real story and then she's like it's great when vincenzo starts like Asking why they're doing it. She's just like, she gets so mad. She's very passionate about yes. this issue. And she won't <laughs> she won't hear about it. And Kolchak has to just lie it through his teeth the whole time. He's like, ah, uh, I guess I, I'm really, I wanted to do it for Mrs. Emily. That's yeah. why I wrote it. <laughs> and it
2: is funny. We mentioned it before. This show, it, almost every time they go back to the office, I know they're sort of like, little comedic breaks or breaths from what's happening for the rest mm-hmm. of the show, but they always work. Like they're almost always mm-hmm. highlighted scenes. And it's surprising to me that now after 10 episodes, there hasn't been an episode. And I would love, I'm hoping in future episodes where one of these characters goes out with, uh, with Kolchak. Cause it's like, they have such great, like why not him and Emily going out? They have such a great uh rapport and the characters are so fun together. That would be a fun episode, but I, I, I have a feeling it's not, Gonna be what this show ever does, but I think it's kind of a shame that they don't use these characters more than they do.
1: Right, they did have the intern. Um, uh, what was her name? Marmalstein. Yes, yes, they did have that early on, but sadly he ditched her and uh we immediately. Saw. Yes, yeah,
2: yeah. He puts her in a trunk. So, that was it. That was
0: her uh, <laughs> t- team up. It is something I wonder about, and i'm it, it's hard to put my mind where this is in the history of television. But there's rarely a very strong B plot in any of these. Um, so I wonder if that's part of the problem. Because right after this little sequence, then Col- then Vincenzo tries to insane a Kolchak like a mob hit story. And Kolchak does his usual like reverse psychology where he tricks Vincenzo basically into like taking the story himself because it's like prove that he's still got what it takes to be a good reporter. Yeah.
1: He uses the old whitewash this fence for me and show me how it's done. Yeah. trick. Um, <laughs> another, but as I was watching thing. it
0: and it was like, not the most, not the thing I was most disappointed about in this episode. I'm disappointed about many things in this episode, <laughs> but uh, I was sad. Cause when he's, when he's like, all right, I will write it. I'm going to write this story. And I, at that moment, since we were dealing with like potentially shoddy building construction, I was really hoping there was going to be like, a, B plot where Vincenzo looking into the mob was going to cross over with whatever's happening at this hospital.
1: Yes, I would have loved, but- I was at least hoping for him to actually get a good story out of it and show that Kolchak was wrong to just say, oh, we, we can't get a story out of some gangland killing
0: I know, and it was such a sad bit because you basically they'll never... This is just, like, a one-gag scene or, like, a couple-gag scene, but, like, they'll never come back to any of it. I was a little... I was just, like, there was an opportunity to have Vincenzo do a story that crossed past with, like a mob building a hospital that then happened to be supernatural. Like, and I was just a little sad. I'm like, it's sort of been a great time to like bring Vincenzo and Kolchak into us, into a story together. But
2: I think you're right. I think what it really is, is it's just more indicative of a time period in TV. Not that it's bad. It's just the style of mm-hmm. of TV at the time we've seen, you know, it reminds me of Galactica 1980 or Gemini man, or any of these shows in this time period where it's like, if they have a main character, the main character goes, does the plot and you only ever go back for a little bit of information that we might need at back at the office or whatever they they only really want to focus on one major a plot and that's just kind of the style of tv for better or worse
0: yeah a plot only no no or very minor b plot yeah um anyway uh kolchek ends up calling an architectural engineer who owes him a favor and the two of them uh sneak into the basement of the hospital which is i'm just going to briefly mention this because it comes up a few times but like Kolchak keeps having to sneak into this hospital. And we get, like, I, there, as it begins, it's like the first time he, like, wears a stethoscope and, like, pretends, like, fakes being a doctor to get past security. And then another time he'll come and he'll just, like, grab a bunch of bedpans and a white lab coat and, like, carry those around to sneak in. And another time he'll, like, follow us follow a doctor into a room. Like, But he keeps having to go back to this hospital. And eventually they just, like, stop showing how he sneaks into the hospital. I think they're like, all right, you've seen it three times. You know he's just going to, like... This time, he, like, puts a funny hat on the they lit him in. <laughs> yeah. This time, he dresses as Patch Adams and gets in.
2: I think you're right, though. I think they, they, they've they established it several times. They're like, look, he's going to get in. Let's not waste any more time. You, yes. We want him to walk around that same two hallways in the basement for the next 45 minutes.
0: <laughs> it was it was a nice... I thought, actually, they handled it well, though. I'm like, I'm like, I see it a few times, and now I don't need to see it anymore. And it's like, I'm like, they're getting better at this character and showing him, like, doing his, like things to get past people where you can just shorthand it and just get us through it quicker um, but he does go down back to this basement to look around and um he kind of gets a confirmation from this engineer that this is definitely isn't just like normal this isn't just like the building settling this is like clearly like stress and stress damage that's happening this is this is a structural problem that he's seeing down here and as they're looking around there's all these like work lights set up where they've sort of started replastering the walls and trying to cover up the damage. And all the lights start glowing really bright. And then one by one, they start exploding. And uh, the two of them, like, beeline it out of there. And then it doesn't really amount to anything. But I do like that the structural engineer gets the elevator first and just, like, catch the next one, buddy. I'm out of here. Yeah. But what it is is that Kolchak had a little earlier, at when he had done the tour initially, had met this nurse who worked in pathology. A nurse, a nurse Eisen. And, um... She just sort of had mentioned, she's like, yeah, no, uh, no, she sort of covered up for the hospital, but she had mentioned that it is usually too hot in the basement, much hotter than it should be even with the AC running. So he tracks her down and she finally reluctantly comes forward with like, there have been some deaths in the hospital, like a man in a heart lung machine had died horribly recently. And it just seems like people who have been using electrical, op- electrically operated equipment seem to die frequently in this hospital. So Kolchak is like, he's getting the sense something, something's not right down here. And so he uses this opportunity to sneak into a a, a private hospital meeting that's happening with a bunch of pathologists from around the city who have been invited to look at the unusual deaths happening. And what they basically say is like, patients who die here their blood has basically been turned into a tar-like substance. All the plasma has been removed from the blood. And um, it's quite clearly like a, a medical anomaly. And of course, it's a, eventually Kolchak is found out for uh, being in the room that he's not a, not a pathologist here to help when they ask if he'll join the autopsy. And he says, he'll take the feet, <laughs> which I, I imagine what, he, what he's saying is he'll carry the feet of the body, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that was the gag, yeah um so he gets turfed out of course and um well he did he gets information i think it's
2: from either the doctors or this nurse that he says and i correct me if I'm wrong he's like there was like it was like a line that went by really fast they're like like it was it, it, indigenously built was that how they kind of just got
0: there like someone just dropped a line i you're right this is where we are in this is that at the very beginning of the episode when he's talking about the dedication there were only two, there were a few deaths when it was being built, but you know, where they weren't letting that ruin the celebrations. And there's two deaths where there was there's an indigenous team of workers who, I guess, do high steel and buildings. And, and right, That's buildings. what it was, yeah. Two of them had died during the construction, but no one was talking about that, basically. But since he's sort of finding out there's a lot of odd deaths, he's like, I better go talk to this group of people and just see, because they quit the job. They're like, we're not working on this anymore after those two deaths. So he tracks down this high steel team and this is i mean this is going back to bad medicine they kind of are retreading territory where it's like what if it was a crazy indigenous legend but we only cast white people (laughs) and it's uh, they're like "Whoa, this is great let's do that again we loved it so much the last time
2: i'll give them this i don't particularly like the character of who we're going to mean jim elkhorn i believe his (laughs) name is but he's at least interesting because i think he's he's sort of He's like, a, a, I guess, what a foreman? I guess you would call him mm-hmm. a, a structural engineer or something like that. I think he's a foreman, um, but he's also a, like a womanizer. Is is that what? We, like, it's
0: just this odd character trait that he's always dealing with women. Yeah, he's he's a real. When we meet him, he's like, I guess, in charge of this group of indigenous workers because he's like, quote unquote, their medicine man, which he will say later is just like a hereditary title. But he is like a real blue collar woman like he's a ladies man he's a blue collar ladies man who just like he's got a master's degree but like it, he could never get as much money as he does like running these like high steel jobs so he's kind of just settled into this job and he's kind of like living his best life and it's it's where i'm so torn in this episode is like i'm like this is so this this character is the one indigenous character they wrote is so much better written than the la- than bad medicine where oh, that was I'd all agree, just yeah. like stereotypes right. and like Everyone's been like spray tanned and are just wearing wigs, whereas this guy's just like feels like a real character who just does a job. And like his, I actually really liked him. I thought he was like actually very charismatic and stuff. Mm -hmm. It is just unfortunate that like obviously there's no indigenous writers on this, but also they're just like oh we'll we'll just find a nice a nice a nice burly white guy to play him, and it's just like ah this is so hard to watch in 2022. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, this this Jim Elkhorn he explains that uh, basically. Yes, we worked that job. Yes, we quit. And Kolchak really is pestering him for information. He finally is just like he doesn't really want to talk to he doesn't really want to talk to the press, but he's just like, listen, I'll tell you what happened. They were killed by Machimondo. And then he kind of slams the door to his office and Colchak's and got a new lead to follow. It's just like, what's a Machimondo?
2: <laughs> is it is Macho M- Manito? Macho Ma- Manito. Macho
0: Manito, thank you. Yeah. I have it written down and I can't remember how they pronounced it. <laughs> Macho Manito, thank you. Which again, I will assume, and I know I probably should have
2: done my research. I'm gonna assume this is not uh, not real. No, has any you know semblance of reality in indigenous cultures.
0: I did Google this one, and it, it only brought me back to the Kolchak wiki. So okay. I think this one is uh, <laughs> this one is uh, completely right. fictional.
2: It's it doesn't it doesn't show up in vampires.com?
0: <laughs> <laughs> not this one. Not this one. Um, and of course, around this time, another another patient is killed at the hospital. In this is. I don't know how you felt about this scene, but it was pretty grim and kind of sad. The it's, person in the bed? Yeah, a, a young woman who's apparently recently been paralyzed is in a bed, and she cannot move other Except than a little for, bit of her right hand.
2: yeah, one arm she can move. I was like, what uh, I uh, uh, thought was, this poor woman, she's already been given, uh, you know, the roughest uh, uh, hand of uh, that she could get in life. And it's like, what can we do to this paralyzed lady? Well... Why do we electrocute yeah. her to death?
1: I was surprised that they actually went as far as they did in showing that. You know, the pathetic struggle to reach her call button, the fear on her face, and she finally dies screaming for help. That was, you know, was one of the dark. worst deaths I've seen on culture. Yeah.
0: I was watching it too, and I'm just like, "Oh my God, this is." I mean, I, I, I it's effective. Like they do an effective job of it, and, and I, I'm not faulting them for it. But I was just like, "Woof." Well, what's funny hard about it
2: is, is Trish, you're right. It's you would think they'd use that death for like a monster that has done horrible things. That you're like, "Oh, I, I hope he gets his comeuppance." Not this p- <laughs> poor lady that's already suffering. And they're like, "You know, it'd be fun. What if we <laughs> make her suffer a little bit more?" It's like, "What did she do? We just showed up."
0: Mm-hmm. But this basically sets off that, like, Kolchak will hear from the nurse, Eisen, in the pathology lab that someone else has died. And um, they're just like, all right, we've got to go. We've got to figure this out. And they and they decide they really need to go recruit this uh, Jim Elkhorn because he seems to be the only one who has any information about this monster. And they head to his apartment. And... They interrupt. It's this whole scene is actually I was like, it's kind of fun. They interrupt. His neighbors come over to have him fix a a small appliance. I believe her toaster. Toaster. Yeah. And this female neighbor is clearly there for like alternate. Like she's
2: really <laughs> there for <a laughs> that was an
1: excuse. Yes.
2: <laughs> Here's what I didn't get. It seemed like was she just irritated at her time being wasted? Because by the end of the scene, she seems to not like Jim at all. But she came over to go see him.
1: Well, I mean, here she is, this pretty blonde girl comes over with a perfectly reasonable excuse. She's obviously hoping to get some tonight. And these people come in and he stops paying, Jim stops paying attention to her Mm -hmm. and just starts talking about this, this, you know, legend myths, construction business stuff. And she gets bored. So she's. she's
0: Yeah. That's what I like about it, too, is that I'm just like, oh, this isn't Jim trying to pull a stunt on this lady. This lady came over, and she's like, I'm really into my neighbor.
1: Well, Jim didn't have any objections, apparently.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Jim's fine to give it. But the nurse comes over, and she's like, oh, well, this nurse is far more my type. I'm going to chat with her. <laughs> and the neighbor's just like, you guys, you ruined this for me. You guys all ruined this for me. Are you
2: saying when my neighbor came over with a toaster oven, she didn't want me to fix the toaster
0: oven? <laughs> Well, did you throw her Maybe. out? Yes, I did.
2: I was too busy worrying about myths and legends.
0: Classic problem, Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> You're too busy watching Kolchak. Yeah. Like, Get out of here. I got Kolchak to watch. <laughs> but basically, this scene is mostly about them learning more about the, uh, the ma- uh, how do you pronounce it again?
2: Macho Manito. It's a, Mach- ba- a, a some sort of bear god.
0: Yes, an invisible bear god that I, yeah. I guess has lived around the area of Chicago. Is, you know what that
2: many- is, Luke? It's a budgetary conscious uh, invisible bear <laughs> god.
0: Absolutely, it's like when that alien came. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and apparently the the people who used to live there pacified it with buffalo, but it is has been it hasn't been active for a long, long time. But they theorize it's because at some point over many, many years, the the Lake Michigan has shifted and basically put uh the natural habitat of the uh, machamondo whatever you pronounce it underwater hence it hasn't been active but the hospital was built they reclaimed the they reclaimed the land that the lake was on built a hospital on it and so this must have reawoken this monster basically. don't you
2: think there was a bit of a turn they missed here though the idea that people have taken uh some land and have just built a large structure on it and the uh, the repercussions of said actions. I, I I know we've seen that before in, in things, you know, uh, poltergeist or whatever sort of uh, stories there have been, but I think they missed a turn. They kind of hint at a little bit in this, but it's like there's something I think more that they could have done with this in terms of having them take land that wasn't theirs and the repercussions of such.
1: You mean like the Indian burial grounds trope? I kind of liked that they did not do that. Oh,
2: did you? Oh, see, I kind of wanted more of it. Mm.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I,
0: yeah, I think you're right. I think the, the less indigenous stuff they do, the better. (laughs) But I do see the idea of just like, how do you do something about like mankind scarring the land? Like, uh, yeah, they definitely wanted to toy with it, but didn't want it. They were just like, it's, we got a lot of work to do. We got a lot of monster to (laughs) plot to get through. So it really is very subtly hinted at if Mm. at all. But the three of them head back to the hospital. Oh, part of me the three of them decide somehow that this this monster is an energy eater which is why it's eating plasma because as we all know plasma is the human body's energy <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. yeah they say they go plasma is protein and protein is energy and like energy and they, they go on i'm like oh i guess that's answered all my questions as to
0: this visible bear that makes all sense also i believe that i believe they describe how it eats as it it just breathes in energy and when it breathes out it also breathes the energy out that's why it's causing so much damage because it's just mm-hmm. like energy in energy out didn't it feel a little bit like they hadn't quite figured everything out by the time they went to camera i, I yeah i think this was a loose monster that they had an idea for but uh, they were like don't worry about the details it's more that we're going to see the cool wall cracking downstairs <laughs> yeah, <is> exactly. <laughs> but they head back to the hospital so that uh, jim elkhorn can look around and maybe help and it's at this point they get back to the lobby and and jim tries to set a date with uh the nurse and she kind of like walks away i guess she's going to go back to work and so we lose track of her and Kolchak and Jim go downstairs. Kolchak, I mean, I guess authentically, but also annoyingly, Badger's Jim into doing a traditional dance downstairs, which I was just like, yeah. No, Kolchak,
1: don't.
2: <laughs> but but I like that I like that Jim is just like, eh, okay, I guess I can give the slightest effort.
0: It is. It is, Jim. And this is kind of why it's a shame. I mean, it's 2022, I'm saying this, but, like, the character is not so badly written as it indigenous... like He's just like, I can't believe you're gonna make me do this, white man. Like, I think he actually says that at some point. He's just like, Ugh. Yeah. He's so exasperated. But all that it does is it, it pisses off Machimondo. The basement starts shaking. Everything starts cracking. There's an explosion in the pathology lab. The x-ray machine has exploded. And uh, Kolchak and Jim go in there. And... Kolchak can be a real ghoul because they're like standing over a man's dead body and there's just like x-ray plates everywhere. And Kolchak's just like, grab as many of these x-ray plates as you can carry. <laughs> <get right."> yeah, <laughs> They steal all these x-ray plates. And what I, I mean, an interesting choice for sure. The camera, Kolchak and Jim never see this, but the camera floats down to the ground and reveals behind part of the explosion that they didn't see Nurse Eisen has been killed, and she's out of the episode.
2: Yeah, wasn't that odd? I think it was like, a, "Hey, remember this character we've seen for a bunch of scenes? We just have to add this in, so you know why we're not seeing her again." But I was like, "Again, this is like the second time. I'm like, why are we
0: killing these poor women? That had nothing to do with anything."
1: I did not even realize that was Nurse Eisen on the floor. I thought it was just a random nurse.
0: Yeah, it was. I think it's to raise the stakes, but they never since. Kolchak and Jim never find out or mourn her in the future. It is just, like, such a strange oh, exit that's, for her. that's sad.
2: <laughs> I think they just took some shellac, like they're doing to the walls, and they just put it over top of her, and they're like, uh, <laughs> no one will notice.
0: <laughs> just bury her in the walls. We'll yeah. be fine. Um, and, of course, they take these x-rays, and they head back, and they start, like... I don't know quite how they figure this out. We don't see it. But basically, they're looking at the x-rays, and Kolchak realizes if you line them all up, they're probably going to make, I guess, what is a picture of this invisible monster.
2: Yeah, I didn't understand. I, like, it's it's a cool visual
1: it thing to do. It looks very cool. Yeah,
2: like, and, and the actual, like, them taping it together, I, I thought it was good. But I was like, but this doesn't make any sense, like, in terms of, like, how it actually took the picture. I mean, I guess it's just
0: it looks cool to tape all the x-rays together. And they kind of want, it's this thing, it's like, I guess the thing they couldn't do with the alien is that you never got a chance to see what the monster looked like. And this time they were trying to remedy that by being like, if you take a photo with things outside of our light spectrum, you might get a photo. And like, it is kind of crazy. It's 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 borderline Lovecraftian what they show you. It's like, kind of what looks like an eye in the midst of swirling mist. And you're like, yes. this is what this monster looks like. And it does look terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, it does look like the thing that would drive you mad if you saw
1: it. It's like an eye in the middle of a storm, except a literal eye. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a creepy exactly. creepy uh, image.
0: I, I agree. I also was also like, this is a creepy monster, it turns out. Um, they go back, these two, the, the Jim and Kolchak team continues for a little bit longer, where they go back and do a little bit more research into the Macha... Uh, say it again, Jordan?
1: Macha Manito.
0: Ah, Macha Manito. <laughs> it's a great name. Um, and they basically are looking into, like, the history of it. And one of my favorite parts is, it seems like Jim does most of the work. Uh, yeah. But Jim's just like, listen, I've been finding reports of, like, dating back to Neanderthals, of it being drawn on caves in the area. At which point I was just like, are there Neanderthal cavemen in Chicago? Hmm. Is, does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the exact uh, in the exact me, area.
1: Neanderthals come from the Neanderthal area of France.
0: Yeah. It, it all was maybe a little questionable they're just trying to race through this idea that like this monster like probably predates humanity kind of thing. they're really trying to like set it up as like a very ancient evil and they also notice in the process that all the, in all the reports dating back for like hundreds of years there only seem to be attacks during the summer. He's yeah. very it's the monsters very dormant during the winter it's this a, a snowbird. bear thing yeah this is where the bear thing comes from it hibernates. <laughs> And essentially, they're just like, oh, that makes sense. If it was underwater before in the cold, like Michigan water, that's why. Now that it's living in the hospital basement, it's a little warmer. It, it's it's back, which I thought was bold of them. They they gather the hospital brass and the men who built the hospital, and they explain everything to them. They're like, here's what's going on, everybody. And you know, they're reluctant to accept it. This these hospital brass, but well, while, while they're there getting the explanation, they get a call that something's happening in the basement. They go downstairs. And they just see uh, they see the monster at work. It's in a room. It's just busting that door down. And they're like, ah, well, definitely a monster down here.
2: Yeah, I like that. It's, it's one of those things where whether they entirely believe it, they know there's a problem. So they're like, well, we got to solve it regardless of whether it's a smoke bear demon or anything. So let's just take care of it. Liquid nitrogen, anyone?
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, well, it is amazing because like they see it and they immediately like, a evacuate the hospital. B, they put out a press release explaining that the hospital has weak foundations, so they have to, like, do something about it. Like, they they immediately are, like, A, solving the problem, and B, covering up the problem. They don't mm-hmm. waste any time.
1: <laughs> yeah, but they did not actually lie in the press release I, uh, they that they gave out. I listened to the wording, and, you know, they just said, you know, the foundation, were having trouble with the foundations, which is true. They just did not explain <laughs> the actual problem. <laughs> And I also, I loved that they, you know, spitefully and pettily said, okay, release this to the major news services, implying, but not to the INS. And so Kolchak, of course, is so hugely indignant about that. And for some reason, he goes and yells to uh, Jim Elkhorn about it um, instead of to Vincenzo. But I guess they had to advance the plot. But Vingento would have yelled at him because, you know, how did you, why did you go to this press conference and convince these people instead of writing a story about it and putting <laughs> it in the newspaper?
0: It is a nice scene because I think you're right. It's very Kolchak in character. It's not so much that they're like covering it up. He's indignant that they wouldn't send it to his paper because it's too small. Right. Yeah. And then you're right because he does yell at Jim Elkhorn about it. And it was kind of fun as well. Jane like, all right, well, I'm off this case then. If you're going to yell at me, I'm out of this episode. <laughs> Goodbye. And that's the last we see of him. He's like, I'm not going to get yelled at by you.
1: Right, right. Yeah. He actually uses the line, what do you mean we, white man? Which, <laughs> given his delivery, I really felt that was a wink and a nod, not lazy riding.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. I, there does seem to be... I feel like the writer cared more about what he was writing about than the previous one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I will give this episode that, even though they're, you know, still very cringy in this in this year, uh, oh, yeah. uh, 2022. <laughs> but Here is a point, though.
2: At this point in the episode, it's almost essentially done because we find out the building's essentially going to take care of things and cool it down and, and stuff. And you almost think like, okay, that's how we've defeated this villain. But they add this sort of like button of like, Kolchak's like, well, I still want to get a picture of it. And I remember I, w- I was thinking like is this necessary does Kolchak would he really need this photo
1: he's had plenty but, of chances to take photos of the cracks in the yeah basement.
2: like it, it I just kind of thought it was an odd end because I, I guess they couldn't have the usual thing where he can't take a piece of stick and stab it through the entity so he has to do something but it seemed a weird motivation uh, for me anyways that he just wanted a photo.
1: Well, it seems like the last few episodes have all started with him looking banged up in some way, talking mm-hmm. to a tape report recorder, and he hadn't really gotten banged up yet, so I guess they had, to. Right, right.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that is the case. Is I think they've reached a natural climax. and they, I think they try to use this press release not being released to him and the insult of it as his motivation for it, but yeah, it's such an odd thing as he basically takes two cameras, Puts infrared in one and ultraviolet film in the other. Forty dollars worth. Yeah, forty dollars worth film. I do. I do love they. They throw around prices a lot. Like he he bribes people with ten dollars, and I'm constantly trying to like run the math in my head. I'm like, what, <laughs> what is that, that worth today? today?
1: Right, forty dollars of film has to be worth at least uh, two hundred dollars now, right?
0: Yeah, right. For <laughs> Vincenzo to be that mad, absolutely. <laughs> um but he's yeah. the idea is he's going to sneak back in and at least get a photo of the of this monster before it disappears forever i guess is the thought because he gets back to the hospital yeah. the hospital is basically piping liquid nitrogen into the basement to refreeze the monster they really listen to everything kolchak had to say they truly like are taking all of his advice i was very impressed Yeah,
1: if you're going at it from a structural engineer point pumping liquid nitrogen into a basement with cracks all over it is definitely not the way to heal this basement
2: (laughs) but what if you have an ancient
0: bear god (laughs) well then it's the only way yeah (laughs) so Kolchak sneaks into the basement and like he finds like a crack with electricity sparking out of it right I guess you were supposed to understand that that's if there's electricity there's the monster standing right there it's present yeah so he starts taking photos liquid nitrogen starts pouring in Macho, uh, say his name again. I can never do it. Macho Manito. Macho Manito. He's getting all riled up from this liquid nitrogen. And um, Kolchak gets his photos and he starts making his way out of the basement. And then because of the so cold and liquid nitrogen, I guess probably oxygen loss, he collapses in the liquid nitrogen. I
1: think what it is, the liquid nitrogen fog has uh, spread all over the basement. So we can't really see the basements, the cracks. In the basement mm. anymore, so I guess his foot caught in one of the cracks and can't oh, get out. Oh,
2: you're probably right. I w- also was kind of confused. I'm That's like, actually, Is Configure's he, theory. <laughs> did, did he just see like like a really handsome man and fainted? That's what it was like. I wasn't sure.
0: And then we we hard cut, and it's Kolchak waking up in a ho- different hospital. I have n- who found him before he died down there. That's my biggest question.
1: Someone must have gotten to him really quick because otherwise he should have asphyxiated uh, uh, the, the liquid nitrogen. Breathing that in should have suffocated him
0: well luckily for you he only has frostbite Some very minor frostbite what we missed was the was the scene where it was revealed that uh macho Manito was actually a benevolent bear god and like picked him up and carried him to safety
1: <laughs> wow that's a stretch
0: <laughs> um but yeah, as vincenzo's there saying hey we we saved that you were saved just barely from the basement of this hospital he's like fyi most of your film was ruined by the cold but we developed a couple photos and on of course one of the photos of that same swirling mist and eye, he, he got his photo. To what end? Who's to say he got it? So his pride is intact at least. <laughs> it's going into the the Kolchuk archive somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh it sort of ends with a brief, like the, the classic coda at the end, where he explains kind of what happened. And his explanation is that basically the hospital was very quickly torn down. They built a marina in its place with very deep channels into the cold Lake Michigan. I guess, hence, once more burying Macho Manito um, and keeping him, keeping the world safe,
1: keeping him on ice.
0: Also, the builder of the hospital got to build the, we uh, got to build the, what is it, the marina? So <laughs> double dipped. Good for him. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that wraps up those episodes. I mean, uh, Trish, is there is there anything we didn't cover that you want to talk about still?
1: Well, I do have to say I strongly disapprove of Kolchak's methods of stealing evidence from scenes and blueprints and <laughs> everything like that. That is not proper reporting technique. You have to put in a FOIA, and I know that makes the story take a long, long time to write, waiting for the uh, wheels to grind through the court system, but... It's just wrong to steal evidence.
0: <laughs> you would
2: not approve of Kolchak's reporting methods. No,
1: no, I'm not. You're saying that. the
2: ends don't justify the means?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, legally, as an editor, <laughs> I can't approve of this.
0: <laughs> Let me guarantee you the ends don't justify the means, because Kolchak never publishes a story. <laughs> I know. I know, I think he's published once in ten episodes. <laughs> oh, that's very funny. Yeah, I, but they were, that's the episode's... You guys want to rate these then? Yeah, let's do it. Sure. Let's
2: episode uh, episode nine.
0: What was it called? Moss Man Returns? The Spanish Moss Murder. <laughs> That's it. So, Trish, you know this. We rate out of ten stars, the IMDb rating scale.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I, you know, it's up to you how how you want how hard or soft you want to be, how critical or you want to be. But uh, what do you think of the first episode?
1: Well, first of all, I think you have to rate this story on its own merits i'm not going to compare it to the expanse or anything in modern tv <laughs> that has arcs and character development and stuff like that it's i
0: think that's fair it's
1: it's a um fairly lighthearted for horror episodic uh, uh tv show so i was pretty pleased with both of these episodes although you know an- annoyed with a few elements in each um and Really, uh, the Spanish Moss mur- Murders had a lot of interesting points. The, the you know the the monster didn't make me roll my eyes too much. Um, <laughs> uh, the really the sleep therapy stuff made me <laughs> roll my eyes more than the uh, monster did. Um, you know I don't know that I would want to rewatch it anytime soon at all. But I enjoyed it. So uh, do we do halves? I'd do seven and a half.
0: Seven and a half. We do do halves. We'll do anything. We don't care. Uh, yeah, I feel very similar. Like it felt more, it leaned more toward those sort of one-off monster ones. We've seen that they don't do so well, like bad medicine or, um, the zombie or those kind of ones. that are just more about the monster and they're, they can be a little perfunctory, but I, they still did a better job than a lot of those episodes. So I, I, like I enjoyed the ride a little more, even if it wasn't a very deep, like it was definitely better than bad medicine. So, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's a six point five.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna be closer to Trish in mine. I'm gonna also say seven point five. <laughs> I know it was kind of monster of the week monster thing, but again, I I think I'm in the minority. I like those episodes, and I think this was a different, interesting monster. I like it better than uh some of the previous episodes we watched. I, I big spoiler. I didn't like the next episode as much, but this one I I do like. I think it's as as good as this type of show with its restraints and its conditions can get.
0: So I'm going to give a seven and a half out of 10. Nice. All right, Trish, what about the energy eater?
1: Okay. This one is a bit more problematic. Um, <laughs> uh, just just a tad. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that. Emily got to write a story, even though she didn't get her own byline on it. Um, I uh, kind of, I enjoyed Elkhorn being an actual person with personality traits uh you know he's a womanizer he'll help out but only so far and he won't be yelled out no sir but (laughs) 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 so yeah I I um uh I'll give it a six
0: great yeah I I agree I am I'm on board with you too like it's I think it's a fun-ish episode. Like, I kind of like the monster. I know, Jordan, you don't like these invisible monsters. <laughs> I actually tend... I'm finding no, that I really I, like it's, it.
2: It's not that I don't like the invisible monster. I don't particularly like the way this one was done. I, I, I think the other ones were better. I think of the, I think, three invisible entities, this is my least favorite.
0: Fair enough. I, I This one... Tickled me similarly to the alien, though not as well. Like I do agree, it's not maybe as cohesive, but it, it at least it was a, a more interesting monster than some of the other ones. So I was kind of into it. Again, some super problematic stuff in this episode for sure. As <laughs> like it's just like so, it makes it a real mixed bag. Yeah. Great scenes at the office though with with Vincenzo and and Miss Emily. So I, I am a little torn on this one. I think I'm gonna go five point five.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit lower. I'm going to give it a five out of 10. I just didn't really like this episode. It felt, you know what? I liked everything other than the actual plot of them (laughs) in the basement looking at cracks. So it's like every time they went back to the office or they went back to anywhere, I was like, this is fun. And then they went back to that stupid hallway with the cracks and the sparks. And I was just, I just was like, I don't want to hear more about the foundation. Five out of 10.
0: (laughs) I don't understand why. It's so so enthralling. (laughs) Rebar. All right. Well, listeners, we are at a point now we're halfway through Kolchak, mm-hmm. we're halfway through the series. We're actually going to take a little mid-season break here and just watch some other TV series. Give ourselves a breather from Kolchak. Not that we're not having a good time. This is one of those ones where we're actually kind of having a good time. But it's nice to take a little break, watch some other stuff. So just so you know, when you come when we come back. There will be a little break from Kolchak. You won't hear about Kolchak for like a month or two, maybe a little more. We'll see. We'll see how long it goes. Uh, but we will come back. We will finish it off. We'll see if we. We'll see how we, if we feel
2: differently. Sometimes you know you you take some time away for a show and you look back and you go, I actually really like that show.
0: Or there's been a few where you look back and go, Man, I can't believe I watched that piece of crap. That's that's true. But since we're taking a little break, do you guys want to find out what the uh, series average right now is for Kolchak? Mm-hmm. Sure. Just to see. Let me punch it into the old comp- continuum drag computer here. All right. Are you both ready for this? Ready. Mm-hmm. The series average currently at the halfway mark for Kolchak the Night Stalker is 6.22. <laughs> that's, you know what? That's that's not bad.
1: Fairly respectable.
0: Yeah, it's respectable. Yeah. That's a good way of saying it. I, I think I like it more than 6.22, but I think like on an episode-to-episode episode level, I think that is the, there are some high highs, and then there's some, mm-hmm. like, but it's occasionally they bottom out a little. So I mm-hmm. do see why it's coming in there. Um, but... Like I said, I'm enjoying it, so I, I, I will be looking forward to coming back to it eventually. Yeah, for
2: every vampire, there's also a Jim Elkhorn, is what you're <laughs> saying.
0: Exactly, exactly. It's one thing I'm worried about as we get further into it, because, like, it's just going to be a sign of the times. But I am actually surprised we haven't had more, like—we did have a little bit of the— uh, with the zombie we had a little bit of cultural appropriation mm. but i just have a feeling there's got to be more coming there's just got to be mm. more there's coming. more cultures that we can be offensive to absolutely it was the one thing I, we haven't set, stated about this about the energy eater but when they talk about the people who worked on the high steel they right away they're like they referred to them i know this is probably more common parlance in uh, in the united states but they refer to them as the indian high steel workers and i initially legitimately was just like do they mean like East Indians, like I were gonna, like I thought that's where it was headed, and then, and then I was like, oh, okay, no, that's not what they mean. Like it just is a thing where I'm like, I don't, I don't know what you're referring to.
1: Right. Well, this is this is a case where you know I I think you do have to look at the times. I don't Absolutely. think anyone. Well, certainly it was not common parlance back then to say Native Americans instead of Indians. Um, so. <laughs> I mean, I think I have to give them a pass on that. I mean, now we can say yeah. point stuff out. It was
0: just more that I was just like, wait, which one are they referring to? Because <laughs> oh, I was okay. too much in my head about now. I'm just, I was like, wait, well, uh, I don't know who we're gonna see now. <laughs> who? Which culture should I worry about offending?
2: But it is a point. There are some things we watch, and it's not to forgive certain things, but you do realize that you know a show that is now 50 years old almost you know yes there's going to be some things that are acceptable then that are not acceptable now
0: that's true
1: i will say i was much much happier with uh jim elkhorn than i was with the entire plot of bad medicine (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) oh i'd agree it is it is certainly you could you could see a lot more a writer with a lot more nuance and like willingness to like be like well let's write a real character everybody (laughs) (laughs) made for a better episode for sure well, Trish, thank you so much for coming on and talk about Kolchak with us. bringing your your expertise in the in the world of newspapers to this episode. It's
1: been tremendous fun talking with y'all. I've been enjoying your show for quite a while. back. Uh, I think I started listening back when you did the uh, Triffids TV show. Um, uh <laughs> oh right. Uh, uh Triffid is m- my handle on Twitter and and you know it's, it it just caught my attention and uh, You grow triffids in the backyard <laughs> Well, I don't talk about that. Um <laughs> but uh you know you, you guys just have such a fun lighthearted uh, uh I just enjoy your format and the the repartee and the how you you treat things with, you know, you enjoy the shows mostly. Um, you, know, you look at stuff with with you know a modern perspective, but you're not angry all the time about you know the, It's it's just a fun. This podcast is fun to listen to. And I'm really happy to have been a part of it. Now,
0: well, thank you very much. I'm I'm flattered. I'm flattered. Listener can't see, but Jordan's blushing so much. He's <laughs> you just like his face is all red. Well, I don't know how to take compliments, so I'll just leave the room. <laughs> Jordan Jordan just hangs up on the Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> and listener, if if you've enjoyed listening to Trish, she's got some things going on herself. Uh, you're part of the Skiffy and Fanti pod, uh, show podcast crew, of mm-hmm. course, and then you've also got some things going on Twitch. You're quite busy. <laughs> you want to tell us a little bit about what you're up to and where people can find you? Um,
1: sure. Uh, the easiest place to find me uh, is on Twitter. I'm at p e m a t s o n Patricia Ematson. Um, and uh, I. Uh, I'm a moderator on Arvin Elleron's Twitch channel, which Arvin Elleron does a lot of RPG games and also does some playthroughs of video games that focus on narrative, you know, storyline choices and stuff like that, um, more than the grinder games. (laughs) Um, And uh, I'm on a couple of games RPGs uh, playing through. The dragon of ice fire peak dnd and and one of them and we're doing a one shot a different one shot that uh, uh, has turned into so far two episodes and will probably be three or four but um let's see i also i've done some recordings for um librivox uh, an H. Beam piper novelette uh, called omnilingual and i i guess i have a lot of interest <laughs> but you can ca- keep so up with busy. what i'm doing on twitter
2: it's so impressive. We're, we're just watching Cold Check every week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is. When I hear what other people do with their lives, I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> I've, I need to get more productive. <laughs> well, Trish, thank you so much for joining us. It was a real pleasure to have you. You were a great guest.
1: I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me.
0: And, of course, listener, you can email us at ContinuumDrag at gmail.com if you have anything you want to let us know about. And on Twitter and Instagram, we'll have clips from this, these episodes. Kolchak always delivers great stuff. I'm, I'm never at a loss for, like, cool stuff to put up for this. So uh, you'll, you'll definitely see some Mossman. You'll see some Kraken Hallways. You'll, you'll get it all. And the, uh, the handle there is at ContinuumDrag, of course. Um, but that wraps up for this episode. So, listener, thank you for joining us. And, Jordan, I'll see you next week.
2: Oh, and I forgot what's real. It's, what is this, Salvador Dali's bar mitzvah picture? (laughs) (laughs) Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rex Seidler. Produced by Jordan Dulloch and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Hughes.